happy Friday and welcome to Up and Coming, a podcast which is dedicated to discovering exciting up and coming artists from around the world, hosted by me, Evie, and by Sean. Each week we'll chat to a different artist about their life, music, and inspirations, whilst leaving plenty of time to share some of their best tracks with you. On the show today, we'll be speaking to Emma Moore, a country singer-songwriter from Blackpool. Emma was the first ever artist to be featured on Up and Coming when she released her debut album Pilot back in 2016. We began the show today by asking Emma where her love for country music began. That's so exciting. I loved that email um, when you mentioned Pilot because it's still so, so special to me. So it made me really excited. So thank you for having me back. My love of country music came from my mum which I'm sure is how most people kind of start. We all start with our parents' music. And she was massively into Tammy Wynette, Dolly Parton, Patsy Cline, and that kind of era of music, she was brought up on it. And then kind of as I started buying my own music, I was like eight and nine, and it was 98, so it's the best year ever. It was when the Dixie Chicks released their first album and Shania Twain released Come On Over. So they were two of like the biggest albums for me when I started kind of choosing my own music rather than what my mum listened to. But before that, uh, we were massively into Laurie Morgan. And I remember one of my favorite songs to blast away in the car was Blue by Liam Rhymes. And (laughs) they're all really dark, like sad songs and really intense storylines. And I just used to absolutely love them. I just thought they were magical stories and these amazing voices that we had in 90s country. And they just blew me away from the beginning. So you released your debut album, Pilot, in 2016. And it was recorded, I believe, at Past Street Studios with one of the UK's top country music producers, Justin Johnson. Could you just talk through what that experience was uh, like for you and what was more special about that album? Yeah, that was a really insane time. We set out to make an EP. So uh, we were going to record maybe four or five tracks and I met Justin, I think at a festival, I think it was at Fort San Antonio when that was back in Lytham. And yeah, so we set out to make an EP and then we just sat and I was playing songs and he was like, oh, you know, we could, you know, some of these are pretty acoustic, like we could maybe just make it a full album and it wouldn't take too much extra studio time because there were songs on there like Paper Roses and The Bottom of the Bottle, which are really stripped down. And so I was like, cool, we're making an album. I had no idea what I was doing. I was so new to music and to writing. I think by the time we recorded, I'd been writing songs for a year and not very many songs. Um and it was insane, but Justin was great for that process because he is so experienced in the studio and in production. So he was able to really take the reins in that way because I just, I had these songs on acoustic guitar that I could barely play. And um, really, really terrible guitar player. I didn't know anything about how a song got from that to a record. And that process was so fast. We were in the studio for two days and we came out with an album. It was... Wow. That is amazing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Obviously, there was a lot of prep work that went into that. Me and Justin had a lot of meetings and a lot of conversations, a lot of emails back and forth about what was going to happen. And the musicians that he collected were incredible, really, really talented musicians. And they worked together a lot. So they knew each other and they could bounce off each other so quickly. So yeah, day one, we tracked seven or eight songs with the band 
came back in the next day, finished, I think it was three, three songs that were just guitar. And then I did all the vocals in the afternoon and that, and then it was done. It was in Justin's hands to kind of mix and master. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) It feels insane to me now. (laughs) Do you ever listen back to the album and feel like your sound has changed a lot since then? Yes, completely. I do listen to it. I'm not even slightly ashamed to admit it. <laughs> I mean, not like every day, like it's not on repeat. But um, yeah, I, I do listen to it. I think it's really important to look back and see see what you've done and where you're going. And I started a lyric book at the start of lockdown last year. So in April, I made the first one. And it was just supposed to be for me. I wanted to handwrite every song that I'd released in order and just kind of look at the progression and read it in black and white and then that led to me selling one of those a month so literally once a month I sit and I write all of these songs out and nothing will force you to look at your technique or your skill or your mistakes or the great things than constantly writing them out. Which are the songs on the album that you're the most proud of? I still love Pilot. I just think it's the best concept I have probably come up with. again but I would never be able to get the original version out of my head and I still really like the the bottom of the bottle which nobody nobody likes nobody listens to oh I like that song you like that <laughs> yeah amazing um I just I really like the voice sounds really big-headed now but I really like the vocal I think there's something really and the guitar mm-hmm. it's just really haunting and it was produced and I think Justin did like the most stunning job on that song the bottom of the
If I want to listen to something off Pilot, I'll just go and listen to the bottom of the bottle. So to flip it the other way, which songs do you listen and think, oh, maybe maybe I should have thought twice about that or edited it in a different way or changed it somehow? <laughs> oh, it always feels I will. I'm definitely answering. But um, I always feel really bad when I say this because the thing with Pilot that I remember mostly is everybody had a different favorite song. There was no clear, this is it. Um, so every time I mention songs that I don't like, people are like, oh, that was my favorite. <laughs> but for me it's tired but it has its place the album really needed tired because it's so ballad heavy so in terms of like making the album what it is I think the feel of it needed tired and the production needed something with a little kick in it but it's the oldest song on uh, on the album and it was probably the fourth song I'd ever written um, and I think you can really tell if you look at them all <laughs> So I'd like to move on now to the British country music scene. And I just wanted to ask if you think it's changed at all over the last five years. And if so, how has it changed? Massively. It has massively changed. And it's even insane to think about. There are some acts that I met 2015, 2016 that are now just dominating. And it's amazing to see. And they were starting out. So people like Katie Hurt, I did a show with her. In 2016, uh, downstairs in Gulliver's, which holds about 30 people, and to see how far she has gotten is just incredible. Like, she blows me away. I think she's amazing. And so many people have come and gone. The amount of festivals that we've got now is just insane. It's amazing to see it grow. And you recorded your single Good Girl in Nashville. And we were wondering, in the two weeks that you were out there, did you get to experience the country music scene there? And if so, how would you say it compares to the UK scene? Yeah, it was um, crazy. So that trip that I took to Nashville was 2018, and it's the first time I'd ever been. So I had more of a touristy experience. I I went full on tourist. (laughs) (laughs) I went to every museum I could get into and... Because I never, I didn't know if I'd ever get to go again. So I was like, right, I'm going to do everything that I possibly can. Um, I did get to see some shows and it was one of those proper Nashville moments where you're browsing the internet for who's playing tonight in Nashville. And it happened to be Laurie McKenna, um, Hilary Lindsay and Liz Rose. That doesn't happen over here. We would know about that months in advance and it would be the biggest deal ever. So I managed to rock up to a pretty small venue uh, the listening room and watch Laurie McKenna and the Love Junkies play and it was mind-blowing and that kind of thing happens so often there you really don't know who you're gonna meet and then I was I was really lucky that I got to go back a year later and I went through my university so I did a songwriting master's so all the songwriting students got to go and meet other songwriting students from Belmont University in Nashville and we took some classes with them and that was a much that was a much bigger eye-opener into the scene there it was also Timpan South week so that's the songwriting festival in Nashville so the whole city was just living and breathing songwriting to an even bigger level than it normally is and there's so much respect for writers over there it's just a, a completely other level well you've spoken about obviously all the amazing things there um particularly as a as a country music fan as a country music writer so would you ever consider moving there the thing about Nashville is that 
you are moving to a place where every other person you meet has got the same dream as you. So your the, your pool of competition is just absolutely huge. There's nothing unique about someone wanting to be a country writer or country artist and they move to Nashville. So I think you just, you make things in one way harder, but then to have access to those writers and that community and that spirit and that inspiration, I don't know. It would probably offset all of the, all of the negative that I just said. <laughs> um, but I go back and forth all of the time, whether I would truly want to live there or whether it's better to just be here, but travel there more and go over a couple of times a year, financially permitting, of course. And, uh, you know, virus permitting, which is a whole other story. <laughs> I was going to ask, it must have been quite difficult this year then, if you're used to going back and forth quite a lot, that you can't go at the moment. Yeah, I re I'm turning 30, or I just turned 30. And I wanted to do that in Nashville. A couple of years ago, that was going to be the plan. But, you know, Music City will always be there. There will be other birthdays, other reasons to celebrate. Now, if we were able to spend 24 hours in Nashville, where would you recommend that we go? That is such a fun question. First off, sleep before this 24 hours, because if you only had 24 hours, I would say we ain't sleeping. We are <laughs> just going to experience this city. I would have to, so touristy, but Pancake Pantry for breakfast was delicious and iconic. And you'd have to go there. Country Music Hall of Fame. I could have spent 24 hours in there alone. Absolutely incredible a show you'd probably only get time for one I would always be torn between the Opry and the Ryman I would say the Opry I like it in the daytime on Broadway I know it gets a bad rep it's very tourist heavy it's kind of gets the reputation that my hometown does uh, which is Blackpool which is like stag and hen parties <laughs> but I loved going down to Broadway at like 10 11 a.m when the bars were half empty but the bands were on and obviously wide awake full of energy and you just get to sit and listen to live country music, which I guess if you're an American is just, you know, a day. It's just a normal day. <laughs> but for us, like it just doesn't happen that often. So I love going down there in the daytime, especially AJ's, which is Alan Jackson's bar. And it is just all 90s. It's just like this, like someone picked a piece of my like childhood and plonked it in a dive bar. And it's so, so perfect. I could sit there all day. And then somewhere really fun at night a show um there's this great venue called the local which is ironic because it's so far away from like everything else <laughs> <laughs> and that is really great so they have writers rounds they have gigs that is just the coolest vibe and I've seen two of my like absolute icons in that venue and it's so small it's perfect so I definitely recommend going to the local I have written those down so <laughs> that's gonna happen one day it's gonna yes. happen yes <laughs> Sounds like an incredible 24 hours, but I'm slightly disappointed you didn't say the Tennessee Titans because I am a massive American football fan and they are my uh, team. But I'll, I'll forgive oh, you. It does sound I'm pretty good. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anything about any sport. <laughs> no, no shame there. Um, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. But, you know, it's cool. I've seen the stadium. I've walked past the stadiums and they look cool over there. <laughs> um. So... Before you mentioned that when you started recording your album, you'd only really got into songwriting a year before. So how did that come about? How did you get into it? And do you remember what the first ever song was that you wrote? 
Yeah. Oh, gosh. So I wrote a tiny bit in university. I did my undergrad in performing arts. So we had a performance module um, towards the end of the course. And I really strangely, I don't know, I decided to write a musical. Like that was the worst (laughs) idea. It was very short. So I loved the challenge of that. It it was fine. I remember very, very small parts of it. And it was a really fun experience. But then I kind of wrote writing off. And then around 23, I moved back to my parents' home, got my old guitar out and realized, wow, I really cannot play. Like, I'm terrible. <laughs> and um, I was really struggling to, like, learn some of my favorite songs. So I was like, I'm just going to make my own up. And that, that was honestly how it started. I was like, <laughs> no one can tell me I'm playing it wrong if I've made it up. So I would just sit, <laughs> sit and um, and just make, you know, try and write. And it was never, I never sat down and thought I'm going to be a songwriter, which is so weird. I never even thought about where songs came from. I was one of these super naive people that thought everybody who was up singing a song wrote that song. Like it's so naive. And then I was just like playing around. Um, so I did Um, in 2015 I did release the first song I ever wrote which is a terrible idea and nobody do it nobody copy me it's awful um (laughs) learn from that one that is now gone you cannot find it on iTunes you cannot find it on Spotify (laughs) it has been wiped from the digital world maybe I think maybe 50 people bought physical copies so if you are one of those 50 people I don't know I'd say count yourself lucky but the song is is um, not great (laughs) But it was a great experience and I learned a lot. Um, so I don't regret it at all. You've just completely transformed my guitar learning, by the way. Thank you so much for that. If anyone <laughs> yes. ever has a go at me again that I'm not doing it very well, I'm just going to say I'm playing my own songs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's your version. Yeah, I did that for ages. It's brilliant. <laughs> you never know where it will lead you. <laughs> <laughs> You've also said in an interview before, that writing songs is like training for a marathon and that the more you work the muscles, the better they perform. Do you feel like the music you're writing now is the best that you've ever created? Oh, that must have been, I don't, I don't remember saying that, but it sounds like something I would definitely say. <laughs> um, yeah, I totally stand. It's weird. I really stand by that. And then last year I only wrote three, I only wrote three songs start to finish. I think they're three of my best ones. <laughs> But, you know, time will tell. People will be hearing all of them throughout, all of those three throughout the year. And um, last year was for, felt to me like a year of quality over quantity. But I think I only managed to get to that place because in my uni course and in the um, a few months following my uni course, it was quantity over quality. It was right, 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 experiment. Figure things out, get things wrong, write bad songs. And I did that quite intently, quite intensely, sorry, for maybe 18 months. So I feel like I maybe got through that process, which enabled me to kind of take more of a break last year and just to write when I was really, really feeling something. As a general rule, I, even after last year, still completely agree with that. The more you write, the better you get, the quicker you get, the, the better you get at pulling from these like places. And looking for inspiration and finding inspiration and finding finding new ways to say the same old thing. That's basically what songwriting boils down to. 
You've made it sound so simplistic, and yet I imagine if I tried, it would be a disaster. You never know. <laughs> you never, never know. <laughs> of all the songs that you've released, which one do you think you're most proud of? Oh, that is a really great question. I have two for two really different reasons. The first one is Good Girl. So Good Girl changed a lot of things. It was the first time I'd worked with a different producer. So that was like scary and exciting. And we worked in a completely different way. And then it just, it was actually a song I wasn't intending to release. We recorded two songs in that process. And the other song was what I wanted to release. But for, you know, a hot minute, it looked like something cool might happen with that song, um, which didn't pan out, but it meant I saved the song and chose not to release it. Um, so I put Good Girl out, so it was the second choice. So I wasn't really excited about Good Girl. And now, like, that seems crazy to me. Being a girl, they said Learn to share, always use your head Being a girl, they said It won't do you wrong, stay on the right side Good girl, you know it's where you belong Always been the one Everyone around me leans upon I've always been the one Standing tall and strong Wearing the white hat of justice Making good what's going wrong the most played on radio BBC introduced and picked it up and they played it for like nine weeks in a row which just blew my mind and that then led to the invite to play the Long Road Festival all that came from Good Girl which was probably one of my favorite days of my life it was an amazing day and then it got playlisted on Apple Music and none of my stuff has been like put on a major like editorial playlist anywhere so that happened and that was crazy and wasn't expecting that so that just opened a lot of doors and it's really fun to play. It's really fun, especially when you have the band with me. And the other one is Waiting For You, um, which has only been released as like an acoustic single. It was like just um, one room recording, one take. But the reaction that that song gets live just makes it the most special song. It's just one of them that start. It was the first time I played it, was in a really busy venue and it was loud and people were excited um I think I was first or second on the bill out of four so obviously there was people they were waiting to see other people and it was rowdy and I started playing that song and the entire room just went completely silent and it was just one of those just a real moment I had goosebumps and the hairs on my arms were standing up and I was like right you really can't mess this up now because you ain't gonna get away with it like <laughs> the whole room was like hanging on every word of that song and that is just the most unforgettable feeling. And that is absolutely the goal of a song. You just want to grab people and make them feel something. So I'm always really, really proud of that one. What do you think it is about waiting for you that grabs people's attention? I think it's the simplicity of it. 
and it really is just I got my heart broken here this is how it this is what happened and this is where I'm at and um you kind of can't sing a song I think sometimes the vocals they do have a bit to play and the performance obviously has a bit to play in the song as well because you can't sing those kind of words and you can't tell that kind of story without feeling it yourself and as soon as you're really into it and you're really feeling every word your audience will so you just really bring them in to this moment and it's a really honest song there's nothing fancy there's no fancy words like there's no play on words even it's just really straight up it's just a really direct conversation so I don't know maybe that's the maybe that's the magic I like to think that it is what inspired you to write this song that one was very literal um (laughs) and I was driving in my car I was on a motorway I don't even know where I was but I just really 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 needed to cry and I was like I'm on a motorway like I I cannot just start crying in the middle I'm gonna crash I'm gonna die um and I was like I'm just gonna just hold my breath and that's fine and I was like that'll keep me up and I was like oh (laughs) oh yeah no I got it and I just had that entire verse in my head straight away don't look too closely I want you to stay in the dark when it comes to my love I'm happy for you I know you've been waiting and finally find someone deep down I know that she's probably better for you than I ever could be but just for a second I feel for things that we probably shouldn't and it's a terrible feeling everything comes back to you in that kind of moment the possibility of what could have happened if you dared to open your mouth you know the things you could have experienced the things you now won't faking happiness and all of that just really flooded so I just had to like sing that verse to myself on repeat until I could get to a service station and then voice note (laughs) you'll hear this story so many times from so many artists we do it constantly you pull into the services and you you get it out you scribble down the lyrics or you type them up and 
you sing the melody into your phone and then then you get home and you're like right I need a guitar and I need it really quickly and you just try and keep just try and keep that energy and that feeling and that whatever whatever kind of song it is sometimes you're flying down the motorway having the time of your life and you just get an idea for an absolute banger it's, it's not always like a sad a sad thing but that one was yeah well it's amazing that such an incredible song has come out of a moment like that yeah I kind of have this like running joke with everyone in my family and like anytime something bad happens I'm like well the song's coming <laughs> okay you can destroy me if you want but <laughs> I'm gonna use it. It's good ammo. I'll like, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take be careful. Any... Yeah, I know. Be careful what you wish for. Jeez, but I'll take any of that pain if I get a good song out of it. Which is yeah. maybe not the healthiest, but yeah. <laughs> guess a warning to the people around you as well. If they cross you, they'll end up in a song. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, <laughs> I, I will change things and I will make it sound like it's not you, but you're definitely in there. <laughs> the lockdown period for quite a few people has kind of created a divide between those who are finding it easy to be creative and those who aren't. Which side of that do you think you're on? I probably appear from the outside to most people to have to have buried myself away and done nothing. Um, I've released no music. I have not done anything huge performance-wise or stream-wise. Um, I, I took the year to kind of work very quietly but very intensely behind the scenes. So I feel like it's been a really creative year for me but it's been creative in a different way it's been creative as a business sense like I've just been rushing from song to song trying to just get performances and trying to work and save up money for performances and and very very hand-to-mouth so I took this year to try and learn the business of music I saw recently on your Instagram that you've been talking about something called the blinded experience could you just explain to us what that is so basically it was a six day digital experience. I revealed a song per day and there was loads of extra information about the song. So there's, you get the song and a little like video to watch the lyrics. And then I did this fun little thing where I had like a recommended drink for each song and the reasons why. <laughs> <laughs> so that was really fun to kind of come up with. And then I made a playlist for each day that inspired the song or that just kind of went with the mood or that just a little different. So each day had a 10 song playlist and a chat section so that everyone that was involved could get involved in the conversation. So they happened every single day. And then each day song had its own kind of individual content as well to make each day a little bit different. So yeah, it's just been a really cool way to to bring back the experience of music like I was kind of inspired hearing people talk about when we used to go and buy records and buy CDs at like a big store or a record store like you would wait and wait and wait for that album to come out you'd save up your money and then you'd have to make a special trip to a record store to go and buy it and then you bring it home and you play it and like it was such a moment and you really look forward to it and now it's like oh so-and-so's got a new song out click boom it's there and there's kind of taken some of that little magic away from it so I wanted to, in my own weird and, I guess, digital way, bring a little bit of that feeling back. Do you think you'll continue to release music in this way in the future? Yeah, I think so. I mean, a lot of it is going to depend. I'm still kind of speaking to people about what they enjoyed, what they didn't, how it ran. Because it, it ended up running to like a slightly smaller number than I was anticipating just because I couldn't run. 
I want you to run some really great ads to like bring some new people in and try and bring new people into the UK country scene that maybe hadn't heard of it. But th- I couldn't make those because I couldn't get together with my band. Yay, COVID. So that happened. So we actually ended up going out to quite a small group of people. But that meant that I could speak to them all individually. Like it was a it was a big enough number that it was varied and it was exciting, but it was small enough that I could just reach out and have a conversation. So that actually ended up working really well. I'm kind of still having those chats. If enough people have enjoyed it and it's worked out well, then yeah, absolutely. I, w- I mean, it took a long time, like a really long time. I'm not a tech savvy person. So the fact that I've just made it is is an accomplishment to me. If people enjoyed it that much, then it's 100% worth it. I'll definitely do it again. And the challenge then is just how do I make it different again? And then what was the process of recording the EP like? Did you have any favorite parts and did the lockdown have an impact on that process? So I ended up going back to the producer who made Good Girl. So I knew we would be working remotely anyway. That's how we worked in 2018, way before pandemic. But in 2018, I at least got to go and record the vocals at his studio, which was in um, East Nashville. And I got to go and work with him and meet him and actually have a face-to-face conversation. And we got to record the vocals together and then go through and add little bits together. So that was my big worry this time. I knew that I trusted Dakota with the songs. I knew that I could trust the process and how he worked. But getting the right vocals and having someone else come in on that, that was a big kind of anxiety for me throughout the process but it ended up working out really well I went to a studio in Leeds and recorded all the vocals there I got Tom who is in my band and who is on the waiting for you acoustic track he's been playing with me for a couple of years and I got him to come and do some background vocals so it feels the record feels more like it does to me on stage because he's there and they've got at least a small part of our live set up as part of it and then I also had one of my best friends from uni on the record. She's a bass player and she's a phenomenal musician, like just mind-blowingly good. And it was so nice to have obviously someone that I love to death on the record and someone that's really close to me, but also someone who's just that talented. So it was really fun for me because there's a song on the EP that I was debating cutting from the record. Just, I don't know. I was really unsure about it. I didn't know how I felt about it. I couldn't really see where it was gonna go and then Aubrey put the bass down and I was like wow like she changed how I felt about my own song and I was like that's insane so that was a really special kind of part and then once that song got mixed by Eric who is just mind-blowingly good at what he does it became like my favorite song on the record and I nearly it nearly wasn't part of it so just that kind of growth and change and surprise and the people involved I think that's been my favorite part of it so far is there a theme running through the EP yeah and it kind of took me a while to figure out what that theme was and um surprise surprise it's not a happy one um (laughs) the thing that links all of these songs is none of them have a happy ending which is probably not a great sell (laughs) but it's true like I like that. And I, I mean, nothing's ended anyway. There is, everything is kind of continuous at the moment for me, but none of them have happy endings. And when I had three songs that were like that, I was just like, well, might as well go with it now. It is a theme. And they're all just about 
life. They're really realistic. They're things that happen to people. Some of them are hard conversations. Some of them are topics that maybe are uncomfortable to talk about. Like there's a track on the album that is is my take on a cheating song, but it's a new perspective than anything I've kind of heard before. People are going to love it or hate it. That's totally fine. It's really fine for music to have a divide. But I like I like songs like that. There's another one about like the pressures that we put on women to like settle down and make babies. Like that's the only choice that we have in life. And that's a big conversation. I could certainly, you know, say a lot about. inspired by my birthday coming up and I was like oh 30 seems like such a cool age I'm really excited I can't wait and then I was thinking about like where where people expect you to be or where they certainly did a few years ago I know a lot of things in society have kind of changed but yeah they're just they're really real there's some fun songs on there as well there's starts off with a, a more comedic track which again had a very real very kind of brutal moment of honesty for me in a realization but then I just made it into a fun song so it's not all doom and gloom is basically what I'm trying to say like (laughs) there's some rock and roll there's some all out like dive bar grunge country rock there's (laughs) of course I've got some heartbreakers on there that I hope you're all sat at home crying to at some point (laughs) (laughs) and you know stories and I think that's how I'd sum it up I love that attitude to turning 30 that's a rare attitude (laughs) I love it. I'm excited. I think it's because I don't think maybe I'll feel like a grown up, but so far, I'm mean, like a couple of weeks in now. It hasn't happened yet. <laughs> Still feel like a kid. So I'll just up the moisturizer on the day on the daily now. <laughs> Is there a favorite song on the EP? One that you like more than the others? Mm, yeah. Yeah. I think I do have a favorite. It's track number five. I'm not going to tell you what it is because it's not out yet but it's track number five is one of the one of the ballads it just hits you like I just get a little tightening of the chest when I sing it and that is one of the barometers that I kind of go for I'm like does it make you think does it make you feel does it take you somewhere and very much like bottom of the bottle I love the way the vocals recorded so yeah track number five awesome (laughs) keep an eye out for track number five (laughs) slightly different question for you now emma if you could choose a non-country song and put a country twist on it which song do you think you'd choose and why oh wow wow 
wow, wow, wow. My mind is flooded (laughs) with all of the possibilities. I think I would go back to that Cole Porter era again, take one of those Cole and Ella songs. I just love that era of music. I love the the melodies are so interesting and the language was stunning. Like the the way that Coldport used words was absolutely phenomenal. So I think I would have to, I'm trying to think off the top of my head of one that could maybe even work because harmonically they're so interesting. Maybe like bluegrass country-ish version of Let's Do It, Let's Fall in Love. Oh, I would love to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> So do I, do you know, I hope that's literally come off the top of my head, but now I've said it, I'm just like, oh, that could be good. Yeah. Um, I feel like that would be really fun. Like a bluegrass version. If we told you that you were going to be performing at the Grand Old Opry tonight and you could perform with any artist, who would you choose and why? Oh, wow. My, do you know what? As soon as you said that, as soon as you said the Grand Old Opry, I got the biggest, biggest knot in my stomach. and it's only hypothetical that is such a great question there's so many people maybe Laurie Morgan I think that would just complete so so many things and it's probably gonna surprise people I'm sure people waiting for a National Met Bride or a Brandy Clark answer Um, (laughs) of which my love is overly documented Um, but Laurie those early tapes and CDs with my mom I actually saw Laurie Morgan play when I went to the Grand Ole Opry. So the first time. And also a recording, I did a cover of I Guess You Had to Be There by Laurie Morgan way, way back in 2015. And that, and it's just me in a backing track. Um, nothing fancy. Uh, and I sent that off to a guy who I had no idea, didn't know anything about, but it was Ash Cooper. And he was playing with his band at Fort San Antonio and wanted a support act he was like I just need a country singer and I randomly saw it on Facebook I sent him me singing I guess you had to be there and that was my first show in the scene at all which just this she just ties back to so many moments so I think it would be amazing to sing that song with her or some of her older ones maybe yeah wow well when that happens I hope we'll be in the audience <laughs> <laughs> I'll fly you out, guys. <laughs> if I'm ever in a position to do that, I'll, be, I'll throw it to Neil Towns and just get a plane and just fly everyone I've ever known over to the Now, where can our listeners go if they want to connect with you online to hear your music? I would say the best place is probably emmamore.co.uk. That is kind of like a central hub. And then from there, you can get links to wherever you want to go. Right. I have one final question for you, Emma. So no pressure. Yeah. But here it comes. Uh, yeah. If you could bring back any band or artist, past or present, for one final album, who would it be and why? Oh, oh, wow. Oh, that is just the best. Okay, I'm, to- I'm, I'm sorry. I'm split again. I have two. And it would be Queen, full Queen with Freddie Mercury or Ella Fitzgerald. Two brilliant choices. Brilliant choices. Yeah. Oh, I would love Ella Fitzgerald. Can you imagine like, around to make another album? You, yeah, like another Queen album. Oh, that would just blow, blow my mind. I think that would be incredible. Amazing. Thank you so much, Emma, and good luck with everything that you've got ready for 2021. Thank you, guys. It's been lovely. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Up and Coming podcast. 
We hope you loved today's episode as much as we did. Make sure you never miss an episode by clicking the subscribe button now. We'll be back in two weeks chatting with Misa McGregor, a singer-songwriter based in LA. But if you can't wait until then for your up-and-coming fix, or if you want more information on today's artist and loads of other amazing artists, visit the Up and Coming blog page. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter for more exclusive content. You'll find links to each one in the description. In the meantime, have a great week.